Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'll admit, prior to knowing Isabella Naduki, I knew very little about the island nation of Fiji. But somehow I found myself in Fiji Twitter one day, and in the process, Isabella and I connected. I'm pretty sure she was loudly pushing back against narratives that she found damaging and unproductive. And well, the rest they say is history. Isabella, who's currently based in the UK, is a blogger who spends a fair amount of time sharing her experiences as an indigenous Fijian on her aptly named blog, Fijian in the UK. As someone from a small nation, you can bet she's often combating misconceptions and stereotypes, which she will share shortly in this episode. But we also spend a lot of time talking about Fijian identity and culture as it compares to her life in the UK. Isabella also highlights how she keeps her children tethered to their home culture and the delicate balance between being racialized as Black and identifying as Black and why she's very quick to say she's Melanesian when she's talking about the Pacific Islands. Early on, Isabella will tell you that Team Fiji Twitter is quite loud, and she's right. Once you find it, it's hard to miss, and Isabella is quite the representative. Welcome to the Global Chatter. All right, so... I think I start every episode by saying I'm super excited about each guest that comes on because I am excited because I feel like every guest that comes on this show has a super interesting story and has a has a story that I think people need to hear. And so I am completely pumped, Isabella, that you are here today. Um, tech issues withstanding. But thank you for coming on the Global Chatter. Oh, thank you for having me. I've, you know, it's been really, uh, it's been something that I've been looking forward to since we connected on Twitter. And it was like, when you asked me, it was, it was interesting because I had, I'd been thinking about us reaching out to you and asking if we could do like a collaboration that mm. very week. And as soon as, that was why, like, as soon as you messaged me, I was like, yes, yes, please. <laughs> well, and I was looking at the, so I was looking at the date of the ask and it was October of last year. So the fact that at the, at the time we're recording this, it yes. is, we're almost a month in it is ridiculous, but we're almost a month into 2021. So it's been a few months, but I am, I am so glad because, uh, I cannot even remember. I know that we've been following each other on Twitter, right? So I know that the black expat has been following your account and we'll make sure we put that in all the show notes so people can follow you. Cause I think you're really funny, but I don't even remember. And I don't know if you know, but I don't even remember what was the thing that triggered me following you. I, I feel like it must have been one of those things where someone tweets something and you're like, oh my gosh, I like that. <laughs> and then you see who tweets. I think it was like, it was a conversation on the definition of what an expert is. Uh, when I first joined Twitter, I had no idea what it was. And it was uh, like, and I was just like, you know, retweeting and liking stuff, but I was a bit scared of it, you know, because it's a different yeah. animal. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I, was, I was quite scared of, of using it. Now I do know how to use it in terms of like what the platform is for me uh, in terms of my, my writing. So, and also just reaching out to like the Fijian diaspora mm-hmm. and how I can connect with them and sharing of knowledge and other indigenous communities that utilize the social media platforms. But yeah, I think it was that because mm-hmm. it was um, what I, I remember like for a while I went through this space where I was like, I really don't like how the definition of what an expert is, is like mm-hmm. this colonial yeah, yeah. <laughs> version of someone who's left their home country and they've come and they're working in a foreign country. Yeah. And yet when we, you know, black and brown bodies go and do the same thing and we're earning like the same kind of money, we're not considered as yeah. And that was what triggered my, oh, I can't believe like these guys are doing it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, it's, and it's super funny because it's like our, so the black expats, three little words, right? The black expat. And it, and it seems simple and, and not complicated, but that reaction you had is one that I see with a lot of people who are black and brown who go, wait a minute, like this, these words have power and it, and it applies to me. And so, I mean, I, in that way, I think you're, you are a testimony to why this kind of site exists because we don't see ourselves often, right. Or or we don't get to, and, or we don't feel like we can label ourselves or we don't get labeled. Yeah. Yeah, Like for me growing up in Fiji, if someone said like, I'd hear my parents refer to someone as like, oh yeah, he's an expert and he'd be a white person. Yeah. Right. And so like my dad, definition of what an expert is is like oh it's a white person yeah and we could have like doctors from India or Sri Lanka working in our hospitals in Fiji, mm. but I'd never hear anyone refer to them as like oh it's an expert doctor it was just mm. like oh it's an Indian doctor a Sri Lankan doctor like you mm. know yeah it was, it was just normalized and um I remember working in when I was out in Dubai, because I was working out in Dubai in 2012-2013. And my older sister, she lives there and she's married to a local. And to the locals, the Emiratis, you're an expert, regardless of what you do. Right, no, right. Yeah. Because yeah. I lived in I lived in Qatar, right? So yeah, yeah same, same yeah. idea. Yeah. Yeah, they don't care. Like you could be a CEO or you could be like a main. To them, like, oh yeah, they're experts. They, they don't they don't care. Yeah. Like yeah. you're a visitor as well. Yeah. As long as, as long as you're not from there, you're a visitor. And that really changed my perception because I was like, huh. So I can be an expert as well. Like, you know? Yeah. Because I knew it like in the back of my mind, I knew what the definition of an expert is. It's like mm-hmm. you've left your home country to go yeah. to work, not on the premise of settling there, because home will always be home. Mm-hmm. And you know, and so that that kind of made me stop and think, and then coming here to the UK and then seeing people like still refer to expats, and it's still a very Eurocentric definition. Yeah, um, kind of got me thinking, and I remember that that was one of the reasons. Like, I found your, you know, the stories that you share of people that look like me. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I love it. Like, yeah. they're living their best life, right? <laughs> I mean, there's part, there's a reason I, I mean, if you ask me this question, I say it all the time. There's a reason why there's so many pictures on the site, because I think even beyond the the words, when people come on the site and it's majority, well, honestly, so it's funny because 
Jerry Jones, who I just who I whose episodes up there, he's white. I, I was gonna send him a note and say, "You're the first white person to ever be on <laughs> on the Black Expat website." He would no, he would totally laugh. Um, I said, "You have gotten the honor." You know how we say, first black person to do this, first black person to do that, first African American." You are the first white person to ever be on it. Um, but there's something about when you see all those photos, right? And, and, and you look and one of the hardest things I would even say from, from the Black Express standpoint is when I first started getting photos, because you can't find, now it's better, but five years ago, you really couldn't find stock photos of Black people traveling, much less Black people just kind of living their lives in yeah. different countries. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I so I, I love the fact that for you, it kind of seemed like, yeah, these people are living, they're living their life, they're normal. They're just, you know, yeah. they're like you and me. It's not, they're not moving heaven and earth. They just, for whatever reason, live in a different place. That's it. And it's it's like um, a lot of us, like, um, you know, now my husband has left. We came over as a military family. And um, I've always said, like, when we leave the army, we're going to go back to Fiji. Right. And then I went away to work in Dubai, came back. And it's just like evolved to like, oh, he's got a job out of the army and like mm-hmm. there's opportunities for our kids. And there's just a lot of things, you know, layers to how we make our decision. Now, the plan is always to go back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I, yeah. and I, I was going to actually ask you about that. So for, for people who don't know, you are originally from and still are from Fiji. And yeah. so part of the reason I wanted your voice on here is because I think that I would love to hear your experiences kind of growing up in Fiji, because for, especially for the audience is from all over the world, but especially for those of us who are even further west <laughs> from that part of the world, the less right. we know. And so tell me about even even growing up in Fiji and, and is your husband from Fiji as well? So my husband is what I think you'd refer to as mixed race. Okay. Um, and so there's like dual heritage, mixed race but he identifies as a mixed race. Um, his mother's Fijian okay. and his father has, um, you know, his links are here to England. Um. And so he's brought up by his mother though. So he'll, you know, he'll always yeah. identify as like, oh, that like he has a stronger bond to his mother's side. Uh, whereas I'm full Fijian, my mother and my father, both from uh, both indigenous Fijians. Um, growing up in Fiji, my parents were of the generation where, as as young children, Fiji was still a colony. Mm-hmm. And so when uh, Fiji gained independence in, in their young adult life. So mm-hmm. speaking to my, my parents, you'd still have that colonial mindset, you can, mm-hmm. you can say. Um, they still defer to don't ask, don't tell kind of, you know, mm-hmm. conversations. My dad, like, just recently started opening up about his experience when it was still a colony, how his mm. um, old days was. It's, and it's, it's painful remembering it with him. But, um, you know, it's just, I think it's like a really important conversation to have. But for me, because of that traditional sort of upbringing, Mm-hmm. Um, completely different from how my kids are brought up. Um, mm-hmm. I was brought up in a very traditional Methodist family as well. Mm-hmm. So like church Sunday morning, <laughs> you had to go to church until you left the final day of high school. Then you could say, oh, I'm going to stay home this Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a big thing here in the states too. If you're black, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So church was like non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, that's part and parcel of, I guess you could say, of our indigenous identity as well, because you know, uh, Christianity is a is. I think it's like the majority, yeah, majority like for religion. Eh? So you've got like mm-hmm. Catholics, Methodists, and you've got mm-hmm. the Pentecostal churches as well. Um, but education-wise in Fiji was, I, so I came over as a young parent, right, to the yeah. UK. And so in my mind, I'd never lived in the Northern Hemisphere. So I came mm. with like very high expectations of what the education would be able to provide here, what the government in this country with like their resources would yeah. be able to provide my kids. With, bearing in mind that I was comparing it to what I went, what I had back home in Fiji. And then when I came here, I was disappointed in mm. terms of um, it didn't it didn't meet up to the standard of education that I had back home. And mm-hmm. so that like, you know, already I'm already comparing it in terms of even though we didn't have the resources. Yeah. I'd say that my my education as a child and as a teenager didn't have the resources that my kids would have in a government funded or state school here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, the standard was a lot better. Mm-hmm. So that like if I was to say about education, I if we went back to Fiji, I wouldn't be worried but then again I'm I haven't been home for quite a while right (laughs) so did you did you grow up did you grow up in the capital did you grow up in another town did you grow up in a village like where where was your time spent my early childhood uh my parents had me quite late I'm the youngest of five Mm. my parents like the age gap between the one before me is eight years and my brother is 16 years. He's the eldest. It's like the eldest, like 16 years. I came along and I like to refer to myself as the love child. Right. <laughs> uh, my siblings like to say otherwise. <laughs> they were like, yeah, no. <laughs> but my parents, by the time I came, my parents were, I guess you could say they were established in their career so they could spend a lot more time with me. Mm. Um, but because they were at that point in their career that they couldn't really be at home, um, I spent a lot of my early childhood with my grandparents in the village. Okay. And so my grandfather, my from my dad's side, so my dad's parents, my grandfather was a, um, he used to be an educator. He was a teacher. And then he, he was also in the military. Mm-hmm. So it was a very regimented yeah. <laughs> childhood. I can imagine. Um, so, but I always attribute a lot of like my work ethics and how even my writing from him, because from an early childhood, I was um I, I was exposed to like classicals and Mm. also like writings like Shakespeare and all of those kind of things. And so that made me um, inquisitive and it exposed me to the kind of writing that I wouldn't have necessarily got if I was just running around back home with my siblings, (laughs) (laughs) like constantly reminding me like, you aren't supposed to be here. Yeah. So, (laughs) so tell me was in your childhood, was travel part of your childhood at, at all or no? No, like travel for me was within Fiji. Mm. You know, like it was it was something that white people did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. you know? like, oh, like tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> like, like going to hotels was like, oh, that's a big thing. Like I'd we'd going to hotels would be if my because my mom worked in the bank. 
Yeah. And so they'd have like the annual, you know, the bank employees treat and they'd have a weekend. That was like a big thing for us as kids because like my mom would take us to the hotels and it was like, but you had to behave. You wore yeah. your Sunday best. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, he was, like looking back, I was like, gosh, that was so stressful. That's a lot, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like we'd go to the beach, but it was like, uh, it wasn't like, oh, you know, what are we doing on Saturday? Let's go to the beach. There was none of that. Like Saturdays was for chores. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saturdays was like for cleaning the house, you know, and like Sunday was for church. So that was pretty much your weekend. Going to the beach was usually uh, Sunday school picnics, annual picnics, or they'd organize something for the Sunday school class. Yeah, no, it wasn't something that I really, uh, that I grew up with. It was a lot of, a lot of it was spending, like we do stuff together as a family. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and I guess you don't appreciate it as much as a child, as a kid, because you, you just look at it as work. Mm-hmm. But now as parents, I, I appreciate it because, as, because I see it as like, that was my parents trying to provide experiences, you know, like for mm-hmm. us to just, for us to appreciate each other. Because my parents, um, so my, <laughs> my brother, studied agriculture in university mm-hmm. so my dad thought he wanted to become a farmer right so my dad and my my mom they they leased this plot of land it was a 20 acre piece of land because they thought he's going to be a farmer and that's our sorted food for the rest of our life no he didn't <laughs> he did not and so the the younger four was stuck with going to the farm every <laughs> because... with my parents and I was just like why are we doing like my dad was an accountant my mom worked for the bank like not none of us were farmers but it was the original farm to table which now you see in all the restaurants <laughs> it's just, it just like and then my brother's like yeah no I didn't I never wanted to be a farmer like what made you think that I wanted to be a farmer like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah so I'm so in, I guess in the context, and everybody's family is different, I, I guess where I'm curious is that, so you've described this existence, would you say from your observation, it was similar to other Fijian families or or would, or was it different in terms of were people traveling? Did they go to other places or pe- people pretty much stayed I mean, with I, I knew of, um, I knew of Fijian families that traveled. Yeah, definitely. Fijian families were traveling. But for us, I think, I think it was it wasn't so much that my parents couldn't afford it but it was um my parents were very heavily um involved with like the traditional obligations that came mm-hmm. with my 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 dad being the son of like the head of our village like mm-hmm. my grandfather was the head of the village so there was a lot of traditional obligations that came with that and you know they were retired so my my dad and his brothers um they had to help out as well so you know um whilst they were earning enough to be able to give us that opportunity to travel it was about like okay like part of this is um our income is going to go to our family and then is the extended family because it's very communal living isn't it um um your wealth is not yours it's not an individualistic kind of thing and that's different to how we me and my husband are here. Like we get to choose what we um, participate in. More so, me because of my kinship. You know, my links with um, our village back home, and my mm-hmm. my dad's still there, and my sisters are still in Fiji as well. So it was 
I guess as a kid, you'd be like, oh, why can't we do that? Like, why do we have to go to the village? Why do we have to go to this farm? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> this farm that no one wants. <laughs> That's funny. And like, so my dad had a yellow pickup truck. And, you know, my sisters were in their teenage years. Mm-hmm. And we'd have to, to drive to the farm, we'd have to go past one of the towns called Nosori. And you'd had to go, you had to go through the, the town center. And this is like Saturday when everyone's around, going to yeah. town and they're doing things. And so people their age would be there. So what my sisters used to do, they used to have like, you know, the toplin, mm-hmm. like a blue toplin. So we, because we sat in the back, my mom sat in the front of my dad, and we all sat in the back when it was, where people weren't like losing their mind about children just sitting in the back. Right. And every time we'd go into the town, I'd want to look around because I was at that age where I was curious and I'd be looking around. And my sisters would tell us to all lie down and they'd take this up and we'd cover ourselves. And I'm like, what are we doing? So nobody would see them. <laughs> no, but here's, here's the thing. I, I, I see parallels in, in your story because you know, my family, I'm, I'm first gen and I grew up obviously at people years all time, us and Cameroon. And so I understand the responsibilities that, that parents have, right. Mm -hmm. My, my mother was similar. My mom was a preteen when colonialism officially (laughs) ended. Right. Right. And, and the obligations and, and what you have and, and you're right. It's, it's funny how much these, the parents still gave us experiences, which yeah. even though, because when we think about travel, we think about experience, like we do it to go and, you know, bond with family and see somewhere new, but they were still experiences, even if you were going to the village, because I, I'd be the same way. My dad was like, we're going to the village. I'm like, nobody wants to go to the village. Like, why are we, I mean, some of my friends are excited about, like, they had a really good relationship with their village, but I'm just like, but why that, first of all. <laughs> I love, don't get me wrong, I love going to the village. I used to go for eight weeks holiday, which is like, wow, that's like, yeah, that's intense. At the end of the year, you have eight weeks break before the new, uh, the new year uh, term started. Yeah. I'd love it. Like, I'd go and I'd meet all my cousins, but it was like, moving up to that, I'd be like, why? Why? (laughs) I mean, even now, I'm sort of like, my my sister's so much better. My my sister is, because she's the older one, right? So she's like, well, I could go do this in the village I'm like I no no I no <laughs> sorry we already know I'm the urban child no and so I I would love for you to explain because you, you started talking a little bit about your identity and so when we when we look at Fiji right who what are the groups that actually make up like who is there both you know indigenous and foreign maybe right so we have like the indigenous and what I guess we would refer to as settlers um, you have the indigenous Fijians that make up the majority of the population, hmm. um, just just a little over fifty percent, if I'm correct. Yeah. Um, and then you have the what we would refer to as the Indo-Fijians, <clears throat> and they were brought over as indentured laborers hmm. by well, by the British. So they were brought over to work on the sugarcane plantation um, when Fiji was ceded, ceded to Great Britain. And then you have because you have like the the Chinese Fijian communities, and mm. then, and then you have all the other little sort of um, ethnic minority groups as well. Um, but the interesting thing is, like with the indigenous Fijian community, you have people like my husband, right? And so he would be, I guess you could say, 
they they would how do I describe it? So they they would have like one indigenous parent or grandparent, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. and then they would be linked to the villages. And sometimes it could be like um, you know, like a single mom. And so out of out of um just like looking after the, the, it's, it's it's almost like a kinship mm. so if i for example if i had like um if i if i had a child and i my partner and i did, decided not to be together and i was looking after my brother would say okay we're going to we're going to have your child written in our family name so it's like a big thing back home it's That's like cool. a family name. Yeah. yeah so you have that so you have you have those as well within the indigenous fijian community and there's like guess with them the struggle is like how how Fijian they they tend to have that struggle of like how Fijian are you because mm-hmm. not because of not because of the way that they identify but because of like the pressure of of having to explain to those who are not part of our community that they are they do identify as um, indigenous Fijian or they do I like they do recognize the kinship that they have with the indigenous Fijian community as well. Hmm. Yeah. I, so I, I, I mean, I'm completely fascinated because I, I will be, I'll be the first one to admit, and I know I'm not the only one listening who knows very little about future history. So, so that's why I'm asking all the questions. Yeah. And, and so I, I was very interested by that term you settler, like who is, who is that applicable to? Like who gets called that? Yeah. Like, I think that was just my way of, of explaining how, to be considered like an indigenous Fijian, you have to be off the land, right? Okay. And so, like, the Indo-Fijian community, they've been there for generations. Mm. So, in the, it was a 2013 constitution, I think that, um, I could be wrong with the date, but the Fijian constitution has been changed to include that every Fiji passport holder of Egypt, you know, the Fiji citizen is known as a Fijian. Mm. It was quite a contentious subject. Mm. I mean, you might see it like on my timeline sometimes people are like going back and forth, like, oh, you know, who is Fijian and who isn't Fijian? How are you? But like our constitution says, um, as long as you're a citizen of Fiji, you're considered Fijian. But for before that, Fijian, to be called Fijian was only for indigenous people. Indigenous. And so, and so... Well, let's talk a little bit though about that contention. Where where have you seen that kind of the arguments on both sides? Where's where's the concern? Um, the concern is like um, a lot of the indigenous Fijian, um, you know, and a lot of those of us who are indigenous Fijian, it's not so much that we don't want people to be included in the term of Fijian. I think it's just about the fact that there was no consultation made mm. with the indigenous Fijian uh, community. And so a lot of people are like, I think they feel like there's a bit of a loss of identity there. Like that has been taken away without any consultation or or just like dialogue to understand like what being Fijian or, you know, the, like the term Fijian, like for me, I have no problem with it. Mm-hmm. I think for, um, especially for our Indo-Fijian uh, community, because I feel like, they were brought there and they just left <laughs> you know and, and then and then now they, and then now in 2020 2021 we're telling them like oh well, well you know you still can't be called Fijian and I'm going some of them like five generations mm, okay mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I think they have every right to call themselves Fiji and as a citizen of Fiji. Um, so it's, yeah, it's that's why I feel like it's contentious because the Indigenous community feel like something has been taken from them. And yeah. the Indigenous communities, like, because um, they are the two main, um, I would say, communities that make up the majority of the population. Um, the Indigenous community are saying, well, then where do we fit in? Mm-hmm. We've, we've contributed to the building of, of this nation as well. So where do we fit in? So I'm curious because obviously you 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 can explain the history and what what's kind of going on in your country really well. I'm I'm fascinated about and this is I'm I'm really curious what your response is as someone obviously who now lives outside the country. What do people assume you are when they see you? Do they even consider that you're Fijian or do they think you're something else? What non-Fijians? Yes. <laughs> So when I was in Dubai, I used to get mistaken for, um, it was either Brazilian. Hmm, okay. Uh, Brazilian or Sudanese. Yeah. I can, like, I can, I can see it, but I'm really. Yeah, no, I like, but I, because like the Sudanese uh, women that I worked with were absolutely beautiful. So I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm totally Sudanese. I can't speak Arabic, but I can speak Sudanese. Yeah. Yeah, and so I used to get that a lot, where people would come up to me and and speak Arabic, and that'd be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. And then and then the, and then the Brazilian mad. Yeah, no, mad. Like, oh, shame on you for not knowing your language. Just like, that used to happen with me with Nigerians all the time. They would come as like you know they'd speak whatever dialect they spoke. So if they were Yoruba, or whatever, and then I'd go, sorry, I don't speak, and they're like, oh my god. You should know the language of blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but I'm not even from like <laughs> like slow your own. I'm like, why are you still mad? I'm telling you, I'm not from your country. So yeah. and I, I guess I could see the Brazilian too. I mean, I like I I, I guess I get it, but it's I, I wouldn't have landed there. That's interesting. No, I, I'm like um Ethiopian. I've been on Okay. Yeah, I've been like um mistaken for Ethiopian. But it, it creates a really interesting conversation because then mm. uh, when I say, no, I'm not from there, and then I say I'm from Fiji, then they go like, oh, Fiji, like, tell me more. <laughs> yeah. And then over here, it's just like, they have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, where's that accent from? Like, I said, is that Portuguese? I was like, what? What the hell? <laughs> it's not even anywhere near. <laughs> I've been, yeah, that's their polite way of asking. <laughs> which is Where's not accent from. Which is completely not polite at all. Because I, I was going to say, what what do the Brits assume that you are? And apparently, they they don't know either. Yeah, it's like like sometimes they miss here when I say Fiji, and they're like Fuji. Oh, Japan. I mean, I really do look Japanese. Thank you. (laughs) So do you, do you run into what, once people figure out or you explain to them where Fiji is, do you run into folks who have what you see are stereotypes or just assumptions about your country? Like, are there stereotypes you run into where people go, Oh, you're from, you know, obviously from an Island nation and just assume kind of, they have perceptions. Like, 
this that experience, I guess, would be outside of the military community because the military community they know instantly. They're like, "Oh, you're from Fiji," because I, you know, they'll they'll see that the the features are different, and so it can't be from the continent. So they'll be like, "Oh, you're definitely from Fiji." Hmm. But outside of the military community, yeah, I have those um, conversations, and it's usually um, they'll ask about my English. You know, it's like really ignorant things like that. Like you speak really good English. Like where did you learn how to speak in English? Hmm. And I'd be like, oh, the British. <laughs> can, we, can we talk about just for a moment how a, there are a good number of Brits don't even realize how many countries were colonized yeah. by their own country and seem very mystified by other people mm. speaking English. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, or they'll, they'll 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 ask me that like, God, oh, um, how, how how come I speak really good English? And I'm like, oh, I I don't think I speak really good English. Like I'm always getting corrected by my sister and my dad. So like, that yeah, oh my God. <laughs> and then um, things like you know, just um, not so much now. I think maybe I kind of give off that please don't ask me ignorant questions because I will put you straight. Yeah. But my brother, um, she has gotten questions about like, do you guys live in mud huts? Do you live in houses? Mm. Um, like, how do you travel? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't know, by the bus, the number 11? Because <laughs> <laughs> they've been brought up here. Right. <laughs> No, like she had this really, you know, it was it was a sad experience for me as a parent, like recognizing what it was that Mm -hmm. she had gone through. But it was just the innocence of how she took it. She was like, uh, she's in school, and someone told her, like, oh, you should go back to where you came from. They were arguing, you should go back to where you came from. And we had just moved to, um, we had just moved to Litchfield, one of Mm -hmm. our postings from um the other person which was Colchester and she was like where Colchester (laughs) (laughs) and the child's like yeah and she's like why (laughs) (laughs) I mean and and you know what innocence though innocence is bliss they say ignorance is bliss but innocence is bliss and it's it is a funny story because you and because the person who said it probably was not expecting exactly. <laughs> she was confused because she came home and she's like why do they want me to go back to culture so we've literally just arrived <laughs> and I was like yeah true and so I then so I guess then I'm I'm wondering the person or the child who said that to your child what they where they were assuming your child can, like because I've the, the interesting thing is I've heard that slur used particularly for folks who are coming off of the African continent, right? Like I over here where they're like, well, why don't you go back to Africa or some very vari- variation of that? And I'm trying yeah. to figure out where where did this child imagine your child came from yeah. <laughs> to even yeah, well, like because she like um she had there was a Jamaican student there and people mm. used to say, oh is that your sister? And they look nothing alike. And she's like, no, she's from Jamaica. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know, because if you meet my eldest, she's like very soft-spoken. Right. So she's like, you know, just like, where are you going with this? And then, you know what, though? It's actually kind of funny because it is shade, but it's like, yeah. she's not intentionally shading, but the no. way it comes out, it sounds fabulous. Yeah, she's just like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't think we're on the same page here. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh. And then, yeah. How, how old is, how old is your, how old is she now? So she's 16 now. Ah, yeah. So my oldest is 16 and I have a nine-year-old and a four-year-old. So uh, she was born in Fiji and yeah. moved over when she was five. Didn't speak a word of English. Um, and so that was an, that was an experience in itself as a young parent. Um, because we start school at the age of six in Fiji. Yeah. So we got, so for me, like the way I parent is like um, how my grandfather brought me up. He didn't he didn't see it as a priority to learn English because he said mm-hmm. you learn it in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did the same with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was more important for me for her to speak our language and know our language. Um, but when she came over at the age of five, by then it's year one here. Yeah. So they've already spent two years in school, which doesn't even include the one year that they would have done preschool. So uh, technically she would have been in three years in school if she had been brought up here. Yeah. Um, so she really struggled. So the first three months we had to stop speaking to her in Fijian. Mm. We had to speak to her only in English so she could catch up and she caught up. You know, yeah. bilingual kids, they pick up new languages so easy. The sad thing about it, though, is that... Um, because we were so focused on getting her to be at the same, um, you know, it level the playing field, I guess, yeah. with her peers here, is that we stopped speaking to her completely in Fijian. Yeah. And so she understands Fijian now, but she can't um, respond in Fijian. She's mm. trying though now. I think she's making more of an effort at an older age, but she reckon, she um, understands me when I speak to her in Fijian. What about your two younger children? Oh, they think they know how to speak in Fiji. <laughs> <laughs> they, they think like, they <laughs> no, they think they know. Like I had my niece and my nephew come over from Fiji. They came to join the military. Um, they came to join the army, and they, they we'd be like rattling off in Fiji, and my uh, nine-year-old would be sitting there just nodding, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, like agreeing. It's <laughs> like what? <laughs> like you know, just want to be included. Yeah. <laughs> Because I, you know, I, I think that's an important point that you bring up, especially when you raise children outside of the culture you grew up in. I see this tension with parents all the time in terms of how much and how do you keep your children tethered to the culture that tie, right? Because they they are very much part of of British society, but they also have Fijian parents (laughs) and and that's, that's their heritage. And so you know, really figuring out the ways. And I know that I've had more conversations with third culture kids, cross-cultural kids about language more than anything else. And it, and it's real interesting. The older folks get, they keep saying, I wish my mom, I wish my dad had taught me the language because that, you know, language is culture. Yeah. 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 And so it's interesting as I talk to more Black TCK, more third culture kids, where they are just like, I wish mom and dad spoke to me so that I, so that they could be able to speak to other family members, even, not even necessarily you. Yeah. So, so my dad calls and he speaks to them. Um, it's so funny because my husband, he, he speaks Fijian quite fluently. He speaks it well. And so my dad, if he's, He's calling and he's video calling us and my husband's sitting there. He'll say something in Fijian to me and then he'll turn around. And my husband's name is Neville. And he'll be like, Neville, I just told her. Like, Why are you translating? You know. He yeah. understands. Yeah. <laughs> it's the children that need a translation. Yeah. So, 
Uh, and that just made me think of like a really funny story. So when him and I were dating, um, I told my parents like, oh, I've met someone and I'd like you to meet them, meet him. And so he comes home and my parents were like, because my parents were very traditional, like, you know, ideally they would have wanted me to marry like a full indigenous Fijian man um, and do the whole traditional, you know, yeah. proposal and all of the things that comes with it because I'm the youngest. So yeah. I was, but I was the only one who didn't have that whole traditional, um, you know, the, the rights that comes in all the yeah. practices. And so I bring him home and my mom's like, she's like, she he's sitting right, right next to me. And then my mom turns to, my, to me and she's like in Fiji and goes, of all the men, you had to bring one who's half. <laughs> you know, in Fijian, and I was like, you do realize he speaks the language. She's like, she's like rattling up. And doesn't then, care. Yeah. yeah. But then the funny thing is like, if you sat with me and my family, you'd think he was part of the family and I was the in-law. Like, you know, because of, because he speaks the language and he's very close to them and he's, um, because of his mom as well so it's yeah like, said, like language brings people together yeah no that's no and that's a beautiful story and I mean my mother does this stuff all the time too where she says stuff in the dialect and <laughs> and then I'm just like you do know that that person <laughs> does understand <laughs> or my sister will do it or you know if it's a good day they'll do it in French and I'm like you do know that person understands French but like <laughs> they'll do it in the dialect and I'm like oh my gosh I think they understand what you said (laughs) but I so you know I think this is a really good segue into the fact that I and I have done some reading that you have a site called Fijian in in the UK yeah and and that I know that part of it for lack this is me putting it in my own words but part of it really is to amplify kind of the Fijian voice and, and 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 really to talk about your experiences and your observations and so anyone who knows me is that I'm really good about reading Twitter in the middle of the night, which means that <laughs> there are different time zones going on yes. and stuff will hop up. And I, and I think you wrote about this on your site to a certain degree. Actually, I'm pretty sure you did, but I, I had seen something fairly recently. I want to feel like it was the end of last year where you, you had a couple of battles going on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's new? I was like, I was like, I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be better. I know. I was like, this one, she chooses chaos every time. Yeah. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) Every time. And I'm like, you know what? If someone's got to throw the grenade and so throw it with a smile on your face and know it's you. Um, (laughs) And so I was trying to follow along because I know that you were having a pretty intense discussion and we're making points about colorism that you were seeing within, within the Fijian community. And, and I'm, yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of pull back, but I know that I, I, I remember it because I remember you were advocating and, and, and going hard on the behalf of dark skinned yeah. <laughs> Fijian women. And I think it looked like it was a, a greater conversation having to do with Melanesia and Polynesia yeah. and whatnot. And so I would love to talk a little bit about that, just just from your experiences and what are some of those challenges that that you see within the community? Because obviously when you're talking from the US, because of our media and our reach, things get below, I mean, you can't miss yeah. it, right? But there are other, and there are similar issues that are going on in other communities where mm-hmm. I think are, are worth discussing. And so can we kind of backtrack and talk a little bit about what kind of got you on that, 
that whole <laughs> thread. So what started was this guy, um, this Fijian guy. He he just tweeted like I had seen his tweet and I decided like no not today, <laughs> not today. So yeah, I scrolled and I didn't I didn't even address address it because I was like you're just stupid like I'm not gonna waste my time. He had written that um, he wanted to have babies with white women because they're just you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he used words like their genes be balling or something like that. And that's yeah. like, I scrolled and I didn't. And, but then um, I think it's the person I was responding to said that they appreciated, you know, and I think it was like the use of the word appreciated that triggered me. It's like, no, you cannot appreciate someone's ignorance. You have to call them out. Mm-hmm. Um, they appreciated that he had come out and said the things that he put out into the universe about how he, didn't want to have children with Fijian women because uh, obviously he said he was, he actually came out and said that our children wouldn't look as attractive as the children he'd have with white women. Hmm. And I thought, you know what, um, as a child, I would be called names. I'd be, you know, like um, my dark skin would be made reference to looking like a monkey mm-hmm. or I'd be told like, um, so the traditional, um, the traditional food in Fiji is made in um, an earth oven. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I'd be told like, oh, did you get dropped in the earth oven, the lava, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, because I'd you'd be out in the sun and be, I'd like, I'd go really dark, but I'd like, um, I was fortunate where my dad's brothers, because I was the darkest out of all the kids, um, recognize, must have recognized that, um, that I was being teased for it. So they'd make reference to like my beautiful dark skin. They'd mm. always compliment me um, about like the way I looked or that my hair. So I grew up with a lot of like affirmations about yeah. it. So it wasn't something that, yeah, it hurt my feelings as a kid, but it wasn't something that like held me back. Yeah. And I think, and then, but it was like when it started to transfer into as an adult, you know, mm. as an adult where, um, you'd openly hear comments being made about, oh, they're not attractive because they're dark skin, or you'd have like backhanded compliments about like, oh, for a dark skin, you're quite pretty. Mm. Like, why can't you just say I'm pretty? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, or they'd say like, oh, she's lucky she's quite smart for a dark skin. I'm like, dude, (laughs) like just just get out of my face. (laughs) And so it started from that. And it was like um, the transference of like them telling me that they're tired of having to hear this kind of derogatory. And I'm like, how tired are you? Like, let's get in it. (laughs) How Mm -hmm. tired are you? Mm -hmm. Like, don't tell me you're tired because you've Mm -hmm. only just started to realize it now as an adult and recognize how toxic it is within our community. Because mm. dark skin is seen as unattractive, dark skin is seen as ugly, as like undesirable. It's not something that um, if you put a dark skin Fijian woman and a, a fair skin Fijian woman in front of children even and ask them to pick like who do you think is more beautiful, they'll pick the light skin now. Mm. You know? Mm. And so yeah, that that was I guess the triggering thing for me wasn't so much the ignorant, the initial ignorant tweet it was just like if you're going to be an ally like you know come at me correct right (laughs) and don't say that you know like you're tired or you're you have the lived experience as well because we have different lived experiences like you're you might be oppressed as a female as a Fijian woman as well but it's not the same and I think there's like layers to it that people really need to understand as well is that sometimes there's like 
childhood trauma that people are trying to unpack as well as adults. And so I guess the follow-up question is that, where do you think kind of the roots of this colorism have come from? And maybe, you know, maybe you don't know, but just in your observation, where do you think all of, a lot of this started from? I think it definitely came from, um, you know, colonization. Yeah. Because when the British came over, they had the, excuse me, they had the access to wealth. Yeah. You know, they had the bigger houses, they had yeah. the education, they had the access to education, they had the the jobs that people wanted indoors, they had like yeah. office jobs. Yeah. And then these white men would have children with Fijian women and their children would be lighter skinned and would be, you know, like that, how we were talking about the, the close proximity to whiteness, you know. Yeah. Um, so they were, their features were more Eurocentric. And so it just, it started to, to sort of have the divide of the desirable and the undesirables. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I think. That's where I think it started. But I, I think it's now been influenced by social media, by movies, um, mm-hmm. a lot of things that we are consuming at mm-hmm. at you know at an insane rate mm-hmm. um, are filled with people that don't look like us. And that's why I said like you know your web, like your website and the pictures that mm-hmm. you post. Yeah. It's not about us suffering and, yeah. you know, it's, it's people just living their best life. And I'm like, right. oh, I could do that. Right. Like, right. I could go and do exactly what they're doing. So, yeah, but I think for me personally, I think it started from colonization. And is it, I mean, we talk about social media and obviously social media is a global phenomenon, but even in in, in Fiji, in terms of media that, or local media that people are consuming? Do you still see that colorism maybe in who is in advertisements or who is in music or who's in, like, do you see that as well? Yeah, I mean, um, one of the leading beauty brands in Fiji, Mm -hmm. there was a big thing um, on social media about them using um, mixed race models Mm. um, and, and saying like, Mm. Uh, you know, like, and when they were questioned about, like, why couldn't they use, like, an indigenous Fijian, they said, well, we cater to a market that uh, needs to have a model that looks like them. And then they would, and then they came back and said, like, but we do have indigenous Fijians on our social media. And then when you did scroll down their company's social media, it was, like, the indigenous Fijian women on their social media page was the ones that worked in the factory. You know, so it was like, yeah, no, that that's not what we meant. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm like trying to fix my face here. Uh, (laughs) Anyone knows me, I'm trying to fix my face because I'm this is the point where I go. Okay, okay, because, you know, here's here's what I thought you were going to (laughs) say. And maybe you might say this. Whenever we start talking about the beauty brands and and some of them are owned by some of the same companies globally. Right. Right. Invariably on this podcast and even off of this podcast, I then get into a conversation about whitening creams and I. Oh, yeah. So I was going to talk about that. <laughs> and I, and I, I was going yeah. to about, like, we had ads and it was a girl that I went to school with. Oh, no. And I hope people don't recognize <laughs> I'm looking around here as if she's going to pop up. <laughs> right. I mean, if, if, if she listens to the podcast, welcome, but. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. 
so she and um it was a big thing because like it was about her looking she wakes up the ad was like she wakes up in the morning she looks at herself in the mirror and she's like looks really sad and then she looks and there's like the whitening cream and she takes it and she puts it on her face and all of a sudden her day changes and she's so happy and she's like this is the life I was waiting for with the cream <laughs> and yeah, then they pulled it after a lot of and I feel like that's something that I need to acknowledge as well is like the women's uh, rights movements in, in Fiji and um, you know they they were the ones who spoke up against it and said like that's not what we need for our young girls and our young women in Fiji mm. right now and so he got pulled off there. Yeah no I mean whitening creams drive me nuts and it doesn't matter you know we see this we see this in Sub-Saharan Africa, we see this in Asia, right? Especially in South Asia. We obviously see this in, in the Far East and we're seeing this in, in the Pacific and in, and in those parts of the world. And it's just, <laughs> it is amazing to me how they're still flying under the, like, because I, I, I've said this before on the podcast. I think it was the company. I want to say whoever Dove, whoever owns Dove now has all these brilliant, you know, female centric ads in the U S and whatnot, but they still sell whitening creams in oh, other parts. Of- you yeah. remember the ad that they did with it? With the black guy? Was it them? Yeah. Which one? No, the, the woman where she she takes the top off and um, it was something about like, uh, you know, the different shades of women. <laughs> I don't think I, so, so tell me more. So she, so. It was, it was about, I wasn't sure, if it, I'm not, maybe I'm not remembering, but it was like the different shades of women. It came from white women to a dark skinned black woman and they like take the, the vest or something up and then it came up to her and it was like mm. <laughs> like what are you doing Tom I can't remember I remember watching and going that is so wrong <laughs> because I feel like I feel like they're they're very I feel like a, a lot of beauty sites are because of the loud pushback they'll get like in the west they're a little bit better about controlling Though you know what I mean, like not being ridiculous, but then when you start getting the the further east you go, yeah, the more they're like, well, the, the they're a little bit lax, and I, that's why I'm really happy to hear that in Fiji, like those women pushed back because, yeah. quite frankly, you know, in the U.S., if you push back, everybody hears it on Twitter, right? If you're just in general, like you don't you don't even have to be following anybody in the U.S., it just starts trending, but yeah. in other countries, you know unless you're following a specific community, you don't know. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I suspected colonialism had a, had a big part in, in terms of, of the way colorism is looked at. And, and I, I think what I find interesting, obviously having read your blog and following you on social media is that you are very vocal about pushing back against narratives that you see are very problematic. Like, and I know we were joking about it before, but I, I, I think that, you know, you using your voice and saying, look, these are, these are issues <laughs> and you can't just, you know, make generalizations about beauty based on, uh, without realizing how, how detrimental they are. Is that, yeah. that makes sense? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I know. That's why I think your Twitter is the best. I keep saying this, but I think that people need to follow you on Twitter. Cause I think it's super, super interesting. <laughs> and I so mean, also, yeah. for me, like having, um, daughters as well. And so, mm-hmm. My nine-year-old 
she she has like a natural like very curly very kinky uh natural hair um so it's just about like i always think of it this way if i can't be advocating for like all these things that uphold women of color mm-hmm. when i've got like two young kids at, at home and i'm not practicing it with them mm-hmm. so like you know and they need to be able to I guess because I whatever conversation I have, I have like, you know, obviously age appropriate. I have it with them as well. Mm-hmm. So I had that conversation with them about, you know, how dark skinned um, Fijian women um, have a different sort of treatment, light skin, because you they mm. would be considered as light skin. Mm-hmm. And then I'd explain to them, like, what's the responsibility of you being around your family who are dark skinned? And then hearing these things, that's mm-hmm. where you come in, like, mm-hmm. you know, but then just make sure you don't center yourself because it's not about you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I think I, I appreciate that because I, you know, we, we've all been, well, we have not all been, but some of us have been little black girls, (laughs) little brown girls. And so we kind of remember kind of the things that were said to us and, 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 and kind of know the emotions around that. And I was, as I was thinking about, or as I was preparing to talk with you today, I'd seen that there had been, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there had been this, I don't want to say backlash, but I want to say there was a negative, there were negative comments made to, I believe, was she a, was if a Fijian beauty queen? Was she, who am I thinking of? Was she a Fijian? I forgot, oh, man. And I could be wrong because maybe she wasn't from Fiji. Uh, cause she was dark skinned and t- to me, she was beautiful and she had yeah. one and she could have been from a different part of Melanesia, but like, there was so much, like, it seems like she dealt with so much racial insults that were hurled towards us, but her, because oh, she, she was, was from Papua New Guinea. Ah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, mid South Pacific pageant. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I'm God, and her name is escaping me. And I was sitting there thinking, Oh my God. Like, why are people <laughs> like, why is this? Yeah. She's gorgeous. Why is this problematic? And it was just cause she's, she's dark. Like she's very dark skinned. Yeah. And I just kept thinking, Oh my goodness. There, there is, we are dealing with those legacies of colonialism in different parts of the world. Aren't we? Like we're still dealing with, with, with things that were brought over because there's no, there's no rational reason why you should be insulting her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> beyond the fact that she's done and, and then then you have to ask yourself why why are you so bothered yeah because she's dark yeah that's it it comes down to that like they'll try and come up with this whole um you know they'll try and make up all these excuses but it really boils down to the fact that how dare you a dark-skinned woman uh defy all beauty standards and what the definition of beautiful is by the Eurocentric model mm. and come out here and win the competition. Not only participate, but win it. <laughs> right, right. Because you know? I kept looking at her and going, okay, she's beautiful and I love her features. And I mean, it's a beauty pageant. So yeah. <laughs> this should not be complicated. But are there, 
I mean, obviously you can only speak as someone who's from Fiji, but do you see kind of those conversations go across with other, with other island nations? Do you see that with uh, like Polynesia and, and Micronesia? Like, are those the same conversations that are happening around? Yeah, we have those conversations between us, like with the Melanesians and Polynesians, like Polynesians um, were, and I would say are still like considered like the model Pacific Islander Mm. And the features because of their again their close proximity to the white you know that there's their their skin tone is a lot lighter their hair is a lot straighter you know okay key sort of uh hair majority yeah. of them um and so even within their 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 communities the polynesian communities like you'll have some dark skin tongans yeah in Samoans, and they face the colorism you know, so whilst like Polynesians are seen as, like I said, like the what would be the model looking mm-hmm. um, for a, what would be like, you know, the desirable yeah. Pacific Islander, yeah. um, they have their own little issues with like, if you are too dark to be in the Polynesian. <laughs> yeah. And then you have us, the Melanesians, and like the whole the the name Melanesians by like the French is he like anthropologist or was he I'm sorry or was he an explorer Deville yeah and he called us Melanesia meaning of black islands because right. of the color of our skin and which is why a lot of people like I I like using the term Melanesian I I prefer using Melanesians I don't like um referring to us as just pacifica like i call us the Mm. pacifica community but i feel like there has to be a distinction because if we don't then we're minimizing a lot of our lived experiences as like different pacific islanders because everybody has a different lived experience i mean you have some pacific islands that uh, went through slavery yeah you know um so them saying oh we need to kind of just like come together and call ourselves wanting i'm like no no you know (laughs) There's a negative connotation to it because of what it means. Yeah. And then you have the Micronesians where, um, because they're quite a smaller um, number in terms of like, you know, a smaller part of the Pacifica community. There's like this at times where their voice is almost like minimized. Yeah. When they're having this diasporic (laughs) conversation. Argument? (laughs) Argument? No, I'm saying. Like, like Melanesians, like, Team Fiji Twitter is quite loud. Yeah, no, I've noticed because I'm not even, (laughs) I like it comes across my feed. I'm like, how am I part of this? (laughs) But yeah, yeah. yeah. No, team. All guns blazing. And and people follow me are like, man, I learned a lot about (laughs) you. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, (laughs) I love it though. I think it's the best. But yeah. yeah. And so there's a lot of conversations that we, like, we're not afraid to have. And I think Mm. that's great. And then there's a lot of, conversations where we kind of share knowledge as well and correct each other if we need to and yeah so I think in terms of how we have our own little colorism within like the Melanesian community that it's in the wider community as well there is it exists definitely exists and it's not subtle Mm. and it might be subtle for us living away but for those who live in the Pacific Island nations, they will tell you like, oh yeah, it definitely exists. Mm, mm. And so do you, with that background then do, and it's interesting because people have their, their family stories for, start from a bunch of different places, but then do people then identify themselves as black or is that not a term that they would use? 
See, that's an interesting thing as well. Is like there are, it depends, I guess, like where you grew up. Yeah. Right. So like the, I would say the young Fijians who grew up here in the UK, mm-hmm. they were asked like, what are you? They identify as black and not because, and I think that's, that's where the, the danger of like, because of what the definition of being black is, mm-hmm. black is like you know, there's there's a whole yeah. experience that comes with it that we cannot co-opt by identifying ourselves as black. Yeah. Um, so, like for the young people, I think it's because of um, again their lived experience of growing up here as a minority, um, being called. But the reason they identify as black is because the black community are the ones that have included them. You know, mm-hmm. like even though our closest, I guess you could say, um, relations would be the South Asian community. Mm-hmm. The South Asian community is someone like we. Um, it's hard for us to relate to their culture because it's so different to yeah. uh, to how we live culturally and yeah. know, like our lifestyle. So like, I think that's one of the reasons they gravitate towards the black community here in the UK and also like how they're treated, mm-hmm. you know, they're racialized as black. Mm-hmm. And so they, they tend to identify more as black here in the UK, the young people. And it's, it's been, um, it's been a lot of, you know, there's been, there's been conversations where the Fijian community in the U S don't think that it's right for them to identify as black. Because, you know, the American experience is completely different to the Black British experience. Mm-hmm. It's still the same, mm-hmm. you know, oppressive measures that they go through, mm-hmm. but it's slightly different. Mm-hmm. So they like, you know, you, you're a person of color and and that's where they kind mm-hmm. of like, forget. and it's, it's hard for me because like my kids, they get called Black. Right. <laughs> right. Because um, if you walk down the street, like yeah. I, that's the thing. I wonder if you walk down the street, I don't think anyone's trying to think they'll just be like, oh, there's a black woman walking down the street. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like for me, because I grew up in Fiji, there's no such thing as skin. Like they, you, you right. Fijian or right. Of course. Fijian, you know, or you of course. Your village. And so like coming to the UK I, and I say this to people and then, and I feel like um, there might be backlash to me saying this, but I didn't realize that my skin color was was considered black, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the terms of what, in the yeah. context of what black is until yeah. I moved to the UK. Yeah. And then I had to fully understand what that means, what the difference between being racialized as black and identifying as black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's powerful. And I have that because I run a site called The Black Expat. I have that conversation <laughs> all the time with people from different parts of the world where it doesn't matter. Let's just say they're coming from a non-Western context Mm. and then they enter a Western context and all of a sudden they have to think of themselves as black in a way that they, because like what you said, if they're from sub-Saharan Africa, they're thinking tribe, ethnic group. They're not thinking, and because everybody's not everyone, but most people are black. So it's not like, Oh, you're black. Okay. Yeah. So am I, whatever. (laughs) But, but it is, I I've had this conversation with Kevin Donal, who's in France about the differences between black French who've been there for, who came relative recent immigration and, and black French who it goes back to colonialism and whatever, how they see themselves. And so 
I always, I like to ask that question just because even if you don't use the term, I think everybody collectively says, but I get called it yeah. <laughs> even if I don't, because I understand the history. And so, yeah, yeah it's, that's, it's, um, yeah. It's, a, it's such a delicate conversation yeah. to have yeah. because I, I'm always having to consider, um, you know, in terms of like the privilege I have yeah. being able to like, I can trace my family line yeah. back yeah. generations. And then you have like, I have um, black British friends who like three, four generations here. And that's as far as they can go. It's like the first yeah. person that came here. Yeah. And, and so like, you know, having that conversation and being appreciative of the fact that they include us, mm-hmm. you know, understanding that we're a, we're a minority within the minority ethnic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that for me is like, I really appreciate that as well. But then understanding that I, there's the delicate balance mm-hmm. of understanding when you're racialized as black and identifying as black. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that's a, that's a real powerful way to say it. And I, and I, I'm always encouraged that no matter who I talk to, if they find a black community, they tend to be embraced. <laughs> they tend to be, they're like, yeah. you know, I, we get, you didn't grow up the same way or you grew up different, but we also yeah. know that you're going to be and seen like black. The headlights. Like, <laughs> they're like, what's happening? <laughs> and, and, and I think that's the thing that I, I, I love about what I get to do is that I always get to hear people go, there are communities that have been, embraced me even if I grew up differently and so even though I think it's funny we say black community but honestly there's so many communities of of blackness I I still love it still warms my heart when I hear people go but this community embraced me because they get it because you because you still are gonna you're you're still gonna get the the consequences or the repercussions of whatever the history of that country is even if you just came like last week so, yeah. so they're just like, you know what? Let me just make sure you're okay. <laughs> so that you yeah. can make it. That's it. That's like, and it's, it's, it's almost like you could just have met them like that day and you already have like, you know, that language, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. You're, you, you, you can already finish each other's sentences. You know what to yeah. do. Like if you went into their home, you knew exactly what to do, which was yeah. like, go, you're no longer a guest. <laughs> like, yeah, no. Yeah, go help yourself. <laughs> and, and so obviously as, as we start to round up, you you are in the UK, which we, we know at this point. Um, what has the experience been for you as an adult? We obviously talked a little bit about your children and, and, you you have a site called Fijian in the UK. And so what's been the experience for you living in the UK and maybe some of the challenges you've had to kind of navigate outside of home spaces? Um, so for me, it's, um, I miss my family. That's yeah. definitely um, my extended family. I miss like my dad and my siblings because I haven't been able to see them um, quite often. And it's just like, you know, like having that network to help mm-hmm. with my kids yeah. You know, mom's not just a taxi right away. Dad's not just a phone yeah. call away. Um, I I feel sad for my kids not having that experience of growing up around cousins and other, you know, other family members. The only interaction they have with my family is through, you know, online and yeah. being able to speak to them on a video call if they're lucky. Um, that's one of the things, like, for me, it's just, like, the loss of that family mm. kind of, bond that I grew up with yeah for um 
I'm, I, I feel sad for that. Um, the advantage, I guess, like some of the things that for me as um, for me and my husband is like we've literally been left on our own. Like we've had to learn on yeah. our own. And I yeah. think that's so important for us. For those of us who come from extended family kind of uh, yeah. background is like we don't have the outside noise yeah. distracting us from learning to coexist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and and when people like my friends from here, like when I try and explain that to them, they're like, oh, like they don't understand because if we were back at home, I'd always have my family to vent to and then they'd be like, oh, they'd influence some of the decisions I make and then my husband. So like we've we've literally grown up together as well, if that makes sense. Um, The opportunities for me is like discovering that I love travel. Mm. You know, (laughs) I love travel. So that's something that I think um, I'm going to impart on my kids as well, just it's not so much about materialistic things but yeah. more about experiences so maybe I've taken what my parents instilled in me in, in our experiences <laughs> and, I've, and I've, I've I've added a bit more to it and maybe when they have children I'll, add a bit more. <laughs> I'll take it to the next level yeah. <laughs> so it's just we're just taking it slow oh my gosh that you know and that's such a beautiful way to kind of segue into um what I call my three lightning round questions. Cause actually it's, it's jumping off of something you just said. And so, right. so if, if, as, as we start to close out, I I'm going to ask you these questions and whatever comes to the top of your mind, just tell me, and I may ask you to explain. <laughs> so okay. first question, uh, for someone who has never been to Fiji before, mm-hmm. what's one thing they should absolutely do? Oh, wow. I would say, um, oh my God, I've just gone blank. <laughs> go surfing. Yeah? Yeah, go surfing. I would say try the um, <laughs> try the rat's tail. <laughs> the the rat's tail? That's, yeah. that's out on the Suva Harbor. <laughs> okay. Rat's tail, okay. She, rat's tail, is that what we're looking for? Yeah, I think it's there. Yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> Why, why it's surf- experience. It's an experience. I was gonna like, say, I was gonna say, why surfing? Um, it's something that I chose to do mm-hmm. with a, a friend of mine. So she's she was like a really she you know she was really good at it. She represented Fiji, um, and it was something that she she introduced. I'm not that great. Like I make it sound like I'm this. <laughs> more than I coordination myself. I loved it because I love the ocean. And so for me, it was like the first time I actually chose a sport or like mm. activity. And it wasn't chosen by me, by my mom. It, it wasn't chosen for me by my mom. Because like all the sports I did was like my mom was like, Yeah, yeah, you can do that because yeah, they like things that you can use that your sister used. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it was cost effective. <laughs> All right. Second question. If you did not live in the UK and Fiji wasn't an option, where would you live? Japan. Mm, why? Not, and not because they think you're from Fuji. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I find their culture so fascinating. Like, you know, just how um, how everything's just quite regimented and there's a purpose to every action. 
So I think there's like it's intentional, but they don't do anything randomly. Mm. I feel like there's a lot of um, like to to make a decision to to do something, and you can see it in their art and like their food. Everything's there's no wastage. So I feel like that's something. It's very simple, but also yeah. very intentional. Mm. All right. Last question. If someone were moving for the very first time and leaving a culture like you, that you had grown up and lived in for a, for a significant amount of time, what's one piece of advice you'd give them? What's one piece of advice? Um, lower your expectations. <laughs> yeah. Lower your expectations, yeah. Um, the reason why is I came with very high expectations of what life was going to be like in the UK mm-hmm. um, and was bitterly disappointed. <laughs> Gosh. Don't, don't put that in the ad campaign. Welcome to the UK. You might be disappointed. I mean, <laughs> but like, I'm not saying that it stayed that way. Like I've learned to like just roll with the punches and yeah. I, now I enjoy it. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I'm saying. It's not helping. <laughs> not helping. I've learned to get over my disappointments. <laughs> and I've just accepted it for what it is. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a funny ad campaign, though. If someone actually did that, I'd be like, you know what? The country is very self-aware about itself. I probably would go. Any country yeah. that's open to say, look, we're not perfect. You yeah. probably will be disappointed. But come yeah. anyway. <laughs> See you soon. See you soon. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Isabel, thank you so much for your time and for you, you know, sharing your story. I need to tell everyone where they can find you. So where where can we find you on the interwebs? Right. So I am on Twitter and Instagram with Fijian in the UK as one word. The username is Fijian in the UK. And yeah, my website, which is again Fijian in the UK. <laughs> It's not really hard to find me <laughs> if you just type and on Facebook, it's region in the UK. UK, you know, <laughs> you're right. Like my husband has said, like, what happens when we move countries? It's like, I'll just cross out the UK. And- UK, you know, and it could be, yeah, and that, that would be your brand. I've seen it before yeah. where people have had a brand with a country and then they're like, I'm not in the country anymore, so. <laughs> and write the other one on top (laughs) yeah oh my gosh thank you so much i i have appreciated you and and everything that you've shared and uh yeah i i think we can all walk away knowing a little bit more about fiji but but also some of the the social and political issues you've shared so thank you for coming on the chatter thank you for having me till next time Global Chatter with the Black Expat is hosted by me, Amanda Bates. It is produced by Justin Williams. You can find the show wherever you get your podcast or follow us on our YouTube channel at The Black Expat Presents. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.